Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikuchi and you are listening to Jazz is Travel. everybody, Jazz is Online Editor Matt Mikuchi speaking and welcoming you to a brand new episode of Jazz is Travel. Now in case this is the first time you are listening, this is a podcast series where we talk about jazz and creative music in different parts of the world. We particularly focus on multicultural projects and talk with, or about, groundbreaking and innovative artists from different parts of the world. Now this is an episode where we get to do a bit of both. Argentinian artist Astor Piazzolla leaned heavily on the jazz vocabulary to create the Nuevo Tango, a form of music in which new elements are incorporated into traditional tango. To celebrate his centennial, conductor Giselle Bendor and bandoneon virtuoso Juanjo Mussolini have released an exquisitely expressive tribute album titled Piazzolla Cien Años. The album was released on the 5th of August on Centaur Records, documenting a live performance recorded on January 2020 with the Pro Arte Chamber Orchestra at the Sanders Theatre in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Along with reimaginings of Piazzolla's works, the large-scale event premiered a new piece commissioned by Bendor and written by Mussolini, Cien Años, which in turn is a heartfelt 100th birthday tribute to his own grandfather and his family's musical legacy. Without further ado, fire up an audio teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. Here are Giselle Bendor and Juanjo Mussolini. Giselle, Juanco, welcome to Jazz's Travel. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. So, guys, you're both speaking from different parts of the world right now, uh, aren't you? Where, are you? where are you guys at the moment? I am back home in the United States, and I don't know where Juanco is. I am in Toscana, Toscany, Italy. Tuscan. This is a very special episode of our podcast series and actually our second attempt at, uh, at uh, recording this interview. Hopefully everything goes well, but I'm happy to have you on because 
This podcast series kind of seeks to explore music cultures of different parts of the world and expand on the theme of travel at large. You know, uh, so it's wonderful to be speaking with you on your new collaborative project. Uh, it was released on uh, the 5th of August, so quite recently, right? Right. Cien años. And before we begin to talk about this project, I'd like to ask you, uh, do you remember how it was that you guys met? And uh, could you tell us about the beginning of your collaboration? Well, each of us, you know, will give you their the place in their narrative, uh, I probably should say it because I was the one looking for uh, Juan Jose Mussolini. Uh, that is Juan Jose's father, who is a, an excellent bandoneon player as well. His entire, I think, ancestry comes from uh, great bandoneon players. So I had performed with Juan Jose. Note that it is not Juanjo, but Juan Jose Mussolini in the past, in Paris, when I was quite young. And in 2004, I did a festival of tango in uh, Santa Barbara, which was my, my orchestra. And I was looking for Juan Jose Mussolini. And somehow, in, in looking, the person that answered was Juanjo. And all the time I thought I had hired his father. <laughs> but I was so thrilled when I realized, you know, this is this is going to be my soloist. Uh, so Juanjo came to the festival and he was brilliant, of course, there. And we also did uh, our first recording together there. I There might be a, a detail that I'm, you know, telling not exactly how it was. Or maybe Juanjo can correct me. Oh, no, no, not really. It's something to correct. It's just that in that time, uh, you were talking with uh, Luis Bacalov. And Luis, I think, was think, thinking of me. And, and you understood it was my father that he exactly. was talking about. Because I was uh, playing with uh, Luis for the last uh, three years in 2004. And since you you called Luis to, to write an uh, original triple concerto for this uh, creation, uh, Luis suggested to, to that I was the, the one who could play the bandoneon, and you understood it was my that it was my father. That's correct, that's correct. So it was one of my greatest mistakes, you know, that turned out, <laughs> that turned out to be just brilliant. Right. So you guys go back quite a bit. You pulled out um, uh, Louis Bakalov's name, which is pretty amaz amazing. I'm a big fan of his as well. Uh, but uh, how wonderful then to speak to you again. And so do you remember the beginnings of this particular project? Had you guys been collaborating in the years prior to that, between that collaboration that you mentioned to now, to this new project? Since I remember, Giselle is talking to me about this record so for so many years that she wants to do something with a special with bandonian and maybe uh Giselle, you can tell how we came to into this uh, occasion but i think the the piazzola celebrations brings the 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 right moment to to do it but uh, it has been for 10 years that we were speaking about doing something together yes this is correct but what actually uh, triggered my you know, this is the time moment, was just very, maybe four years ago, not more, we were doing the Aconcagua concerto in one of uh, guest engagements where, where I invited Juanjo um, to play it. 
And it was such an extraordinary performance. I was electrified. I just thought I had heard the piece anew. And I think we might have played it before, but this particular time, I think maybe maybe Juanjo's own uh, evolution. Uh, and I thought this was the perfect um, way in which this piece should be played. So at that moment, I said to him, we are going to record this concerto. This was the beginning of the project. So it came from a natural place in our collaboration that I found that to be so uh, tremendous that even as there are so many recordings of this piece, I felt an obligation to record Juanjo's interpretation. So after that, it was creative give and take. Uh, I wanted, I knew uh, one of the compositions, uh, original, completely original compositions, which was uh, Tomato Ka. And I loved it. We had performed it also in a guest engagement. So I decided to record that. And uh, and I, I was, for, me, for many years, very unhappy with the fact that Las Cuatro Estaciones, the Four Seasons, was usually played with a violin solo. It was, I had never heard the Four Seasons with an orchestra that was played on the bandoneon. Because I couldn't believe it that, you know, this was Piazzolla's instrument. So I said, Juanjo, you write your own arrangement, something, write something special, different, beautiful. And he did. He did something totally original, which is that he put all the movements in one piece and they follow each other like in nature, like the seasons follow one another. So that, that was the third edition. Then came the piece that was celebratory of Piazzolla, one called A Hundred Years, Cien Años, which is now the title of the uh, CD. So this beautiful piece, also an original piece by Juanjo, it memorializes not only his own personal uh, ancestry, you know, history, but it is done in the year of Piazzolla's centenary. And then Libertango, I knew this arrangement by Juanjo. We did it quite a few times. And it was a perfect, you know, addition of something that was very popular. And I wanted to do something that would be immediately recognized. So there you have the story of each and every piece in the recording. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you for that. I was just kind of revisiting the the tracks as you were uh, telling us the a little bit of the background of each one of them, and it's really amazing. I found the four seasons of Buenos Aires particularly moving, so it's really interesting to 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 understand how it was all kind of put together and arranged for this for this recording. But I feel like we should say something about the actual instrument of the bandoneon, right. because it's such a fascinating in- instrument, and uh, Juan you being such a great interpreter of of the bandoneon i just wanted to ask you about your personal connection to it i know that you come from a family and a tradition of uh, bandoneon players but what is it that drew you to it or were you somehow always destined to kind of pick up where uh, your ancestors left off no no in fact it came very late i was already 16 when i started to play bandoneon which is uh 
for a professional musician quite late. I, I was into music before, uh, interested uh, playing piano, interested by composition and, and all uh, the chamber music. And in fact, when, uh, when I was uh, 16, my father started to have a lot of students. And the bandoneon is the particular instrument because uh, the keyboards are quite a mess. I mean, there are four keyboards <laughs> because when you when you pull and when you push the instrument, the notes are not in the same place. So you have two keyboards on the right hand, two keyboards on the on the left hand, and each one of those keyboards does not really respond to to a uh, diagramma. Help me, Giselle. Yes, to a course. geometric, to a geometric uh, disposition. So I, I, I asked to my father, please tell me how can you make someone start on on that mess? Because uh, I, since I played piano, when I took a guitar, I could really think, okay, I know where is the me, the F, the G, the A. When I take a flute, I can after five minutes try to have a sound that that looks like a, that sounds like a flute. And on Bandonian, it was really depressive because when you take it, you cannot really find out where are the, the notes. So the, the question started like that. And the answer of my father was to, to put an instrument on my knees and, and, and to make me start. And mm. that's how I started to play Bandonian. And, and a very famous accordion player, Marcela Zola, uh, which is the accordion player that uh, always played with... Uh, uh, with Brel, with Jack Brel, uh, you can hear Jack Brel saying "Chauf Marcel," which is this Marcel Azola came to home and said, "Who is playing uh, here?" And when my father told him that I was learning Bandonian, he took me to the radio to to play in a, one mission. Uh, since right. then, I started to have a lot of uh, convocations to play, and and I, and I can say I became a professional musician. Uh, without uh, knowing that I was one already. <laughs> it yeah, it yeah, came very yeah. fast. They, I, 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 uh, at the end of 80s in Europe, you, you couldn't find so many bandonion players. So they, they, when somebody wanted a bandonion, we were quite a few to be able to, to go on stage. So that give, gave me an opportunity to, to, to become professional very fast. And now it's actually changing, right? There's, there's, a, there's a greater culture of the bandoneon all over the world. Absolutely. My father opened a conservatory, Gennevilliers, which I, today I direct the, the, the tango department. And we have uh, 40 bandoneon students and other instrument students also to play tango. So to date, you have a lot of uh, bandoneon players and tango musicians in, in Europe. And of course, Argentina, no? you have so many great players today in Argentina. Thank you. 
The music you're hearing just now is from one of the tracks of Piazzola Cien Años, a collaboration between conductor Giselle Bendor and bandoneon virtuoso Juanjo Mussolini. The album is out now on Centaur Records. Now, this is not their first collaboration together, as they have frequently worked together, sharing the world stages and exposing the heart of tango as Piazzolla imagined it. A cosmopolitan emotional roller coaster, technically virtuosic, savage, and tender. Here is the second part of our interview with Giselle Bendor and Juanjo Mussolini. Of course, of course. Uh, just to return to Piazzolla in particular, uh, he once said that, uh, this is something that I read, he had a vision that his work would still be heard in the year 3000. So I wanted to ask you uh, both about what. why do you think he might have said that and also do you feel that might be true? I think he said that because he's absolutely right. <laughs> I think he would have realized how rich and how fertile the language of this uh, Nuevo Tango is and how many doors it opened and possibilities. For example, Juanjo is writing music that is originally from our century, or I would say maybe the, the late uh, 20th century, doesn't matter. But he writes contemporary music inspired and interwoven uh, with a tango. And if he could see that, this was a, a, if he, you know, I don't know, if 70 years ago, he could see that, then there you are. That, that is part of the vision. And you, I think it, things reach a tipping point, you know, and then it becomes everybody's patrimony. But I, I don't know if that tipping point has been reached. But there's been such a revolution in the world in the recognition of tango and the beginning of placing tango in classical music stage. You know, like Gershwin introduced Rhapsody in Blue and it was the, the, the first kind of thing that was uh, then interpreted together with other already accepted composers. Uh, and somebody said of Gershwin, he made a lady out of jazz, you know. So he really placed it in a different uh, scenario. And the tango has done the same. And there is still more to come. Uh, I, I think uh, there are two possibilities that uh, makes that sentence of Piastola real. The first one would be when we speak about the early Piazzolla, when he was looking for uh, moving his music to all the world. And he was really a very, uh, it was an emergency for him. So he was really wanting that uh, to happen, to, to be a composer of the 20th century. So that if, I, if he had said that in the early Piazzolla, that was because he has a, an incredible energy to, to bring his music to the world. But 
it can also be in the late Piazzolla when he saw that all the people wanted to play his music. And he had the possibility to see that and he had a lot of people asking him to write for, for, for them. So that might be two periods that Piazzolla could totally say that. And he was right. I mean, part, one of the particularity of Piazzolla music is that it can reach almost anyone, any part, in any part of the world. It's very difficult uh, sometimes when you listen to tango, classical tango music, uh, if someone doesn't know it or, or doesn't have a particular interest in it, it's something quite popular, like a very um, closed thing. Uh, it's not so easy to, to get in. But Piazzolla music is open to the world. I mean, anyone that listens to it for the first time will be seduced. So it, it has this particularity that to, to be an universal yeah. language. For example, you know how deeply involved in tango are people in Finland. A place like Finland has an adoration of the tango. I remember being there a few times, but conducting a, a classical uh, repertoire, you know, mainstream repertoire. And for the first time, I was exposed to the fact that the Finns are crazy about tango. They have tango dance competitions. They uh, translate tango songs into fin Finnish, which is to us, uh, you know, I'm from Uruguay, Juanjo is from Argentina. To us, it's unthinkable. How can you sing tango in Finnish? So that is a reality. It's one of the most remote corners of the world where you would not have imagined that they could be so uh, moved by something so romantic. And they, they, uh, they don't have too many words about love in their vocabulary. They, they have a very different uh, aesthetic Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, it definitely is still to this day an international phenomenon. I myself have friends who are actually, I have a friend who is a tango instructor and she's, uh, she's French. So yeah, for sure. One of the most international, uh, art forms in the world. I think the tango, because it also extends to dance, uh, as well as music. And it's just a whole culture. Um, we are, we are sadly running out of time, but it has been a fascinating conversation. But Giselle, I kind of wanted to, uh, return to you because, uh, having listened to also your previous works, I think that you are one of the kind of prominent champions of Latin music. Given your, your multicultural background, I've always been curious to ask you what it is that draws you particularly to this tradition. Uh, we, uh, maybe listeners will be familiar to also your, uh, interpretations of works by other, um, composers and conductors. We've mentioned Luis Bacalov, of course, uh, Villalobos and so on. But yeah, do you know where that interest and passion comes from? My first influence was the fact that I was born and raised in Uruguay. I finished high school there. So that's quite a mature way of uh, acquiring all the influences. It wasn't just uh, that I heard tango as if it were, you know, every day's music, but I I, I heard uh, folklore. Uh, I heard Bossa Nova. I heard um, music from the Caribbean areas. So that was, first of all, it is in my skin. 
But then there was a historic beginning. When I was in Houston, I was a resident conductor of the Houston Symphony. And I heard for the first time the ballet Estancia by Ginastera. Ginastera, great uh, art music composer from Argentina, maybe the greatest. Uh, so I heard that and I started from that. I started researching the repertoire. And as soon as I could, I started recording it. It started from Ginastera. And to this very day, Ginastera has been the re uh, composer that I have mostly recorded. I, I have like, I don't know how many recordings of Ginastera. Then I did Villa Lobos. I did uh, Silvestre Revueltas from Mexico. And uh, Piazzola has been with me all the time. I already recorded Piazzolla in 2004 with, with Juanjo. And then uh, came this uh, second recording. So in a way, uh, Piazzolla is quite uh, amazing for me to do because it's not what I have mostly been doing as far as uh, Latin American music. But I'm very uh, specific and I'm very quality oriented. So it takes me a long time to get a project. But I, I have other projects. I, I still have to get done with Ginastera's uh, last opera, Beatrix Cenci, which I recorded in Geneva 20 years ago. And I haven't yet produced the recording. I want to do songs by Guastavino. He's an Argentine a song composer that rivals any uh, leader uh, in the world. So um, I have a lot of projects, still a lot of things to do. I also wanted to, to talk about this being a live performance in January 2020 and essentially not too long before venues shut down in a lot of the parts of the world and live performances basically ceased. How has it been for you guys? Have you dealt with this uh, pandemic times with difficulty? It's, we've been so lucky. I've thought about it many times. How lucky we were. We did this at the end of January, beginning of February, something like that. And in March, we were already in lockdown. So we were lucky. And I, I don't know about Juanjo, but all my engagements were frozen. Yes, for me too. For me too. Absolutely. All, all, everything has been frozen for, for uh, as everybody. Uh, at the beginning, it was like, um, like a hole in time that I enjoyed because I said, Oh, I have so many things that I, I wanted to do for so long. And, and now I, I maybe have the, 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 the few weeks to do it. But when it started to, to be the second uh, lockdown and everything, and 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 today that we still have so many doubts about how it's going to go on uh i i still try to to get the the, the positive uh, things uh the, one of the positive things is that when i came back to stage it was like the first time so the the pleasure uh, I, I i couldn't say that i was used to it but you can realize how lucky we are to 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 be in touch with the audience, to have the the opportunities to go on stage, and maybe when you are in the usual times, you you are going from one stage to the other, and and it becomes uh, not a routine, but but something that you are doing as a profession, and then you go up and you are very happy to do it. But the real pleasure came back, the the, the very deep pleasure, like it like if it was the first time. So I, I, 
when I realized that, I, I think that I'm gonna, going to try to keep that until the end. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Uh, guys, it has been an absolute <laughs> pleasure uh, speaking with you. And unfortunately, we'll have to wrap it up, but it's been fascinating. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Giselle Bendor and Juanjo Mussolini. I certainly have. Their new album, Piazzola Cien Años, is out now on Centaur Records. I'll be back next week for more globetrotting conversations and a new Jazz Is Travel podcast. In the meantime, why not check out what's happening on jazzis.com? That's our regularly updated website with lots of great content for both the jazz newbies and the aficionados. You'll find lots of great features, interviews, reviews, music roundups and playlists, and much more. And of course, you get even more exclusive content when you subscribe. Till the next time, stay healthy, stay safe, stay strong. This is Matt Micucci signing off. See you soon. <laughs>